Welcome to One Chapel. We're a family of neighborhood churches in the Austin area. Our vision is to help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. It's a place to connect, grow, and serve the communities where we live. You can learn more about One Chapel and how to get involved at onechapel.com. And now, here's this week's message. Today, we're continuing uh, our series called Overwhelmed. And if you need... um if you, if you need the handout, uh, there are ushers in the aisles, and you can raise your hand, and they will get one to you. I think this handout is really important, because over the last few weeks, we've been talking about depression, anxiety, stress, uh, all these things that in our culture are so hard to wade through, and people feel so much um, shame and struggle over these things, and very often, the church has not been a real safe place to talk about these things. And so on this handout are, are, are resources and, and some, some groups. It's so important that you become part of a group of people where you are known and loved. Because if the gospel is anything, it is this idea of being fully known and fully loved by God by Jesus who gave his life on a cross. And it is so important for you to understand that you need to belong to a community where you are fully known and fully loved. And so that we're trying to make that happen here at One Chapel. And now we know, we know that we won't solve all the problems that we're sort of facing in these areas. But we want to make it safe to talk about it and safe to embrace each other. So, uh, because, because here's the truth. I don't know if you've heard this before. Uh, we believe that we, as one chapel, we help each other move from where we are to where God wants to be. Okay, we'll work on that. We'll work on that. Some of you don't, some of you don't know that. And so, and so we, we're, we're trying to move people towards Jesus in a powerful way. So today, we have a very special guest because we, we, you know, we're, we're looking to the scriptures in each of these settings on Sundays. And then, of course, we're, there's, there's discussions going on in our groups about these scriptures and about these ideas, which is so powerful um, but, but it's also important for us to remember that there are professional level people, experts, who can give us insight that will complement what we're studying, what we're talking about. And so I think it's, it's important for us in this topic, in this conversation that we're having, to have a mental health expert join us and to talk about it. And it's going to be a little bit different today. It, it, it's, not, it's not sort of your average um, talk. I, I'm going to share a little bit with him. I'm going to ask questions, and he's just going to ask, or he's just going to share from his heart and his experience and his wisdom. And so I want you to welcome with me Alex Parnell, okay? Come on, Alex. It's great to see you. Good to see you. Great to have you here. Some of you are thinking, why'd they pick a 15-year-old? Well, I do look young. Actually, he is. He looks really young, but he's wise beyond his years. I've been able to spend a little time with Alex, and it's really been great. And I, I'm, I'm really 
growing in uh, my respect for you as we've each of the conversations we have. And so I'm so grateful for him being willing to be with us today. And so um, I'm going to read you uh, kind of his bio. Alex is a licensed marriage and family therapist at the Center for Relational Care uh, who works with anxiety, depression, and disconnection every single day. In addition to weekly counseling, he regularly facilitates multi-day counseling intensives for those looking for a quicker breakthrough. He has advanced training in the biblical counseling model, intimacy therapy, as well as in the world's leading evidence-based therapy model, emotionally focused therapy, or EFT. He also brings the latest research from interpersonal neurobiology into his counseling and loves sharing how brain science proves what the Bible has been saying all along. That's a cool idea. Talk about that for a minute, just as, as context for kind of where we're going to go today. Yeah, so I always start with a foundational verse uh, in Genesis 2. It's not good for man to be alone. And what the research has shown again and again is best predictor for mental health and well-being is connection. It's not good for man to be alone. The Bible's been saying it for yeah. a good long time now. And wow. now the researchers have caught up. Yeah. <laughs> I really like your soothing voice. <laughs> <laughs> we might get to do an exercise today where I can put it into action. Yeah, help me calm down. Help you yeah. calm down. Yeah. Good luck with that. So, <laughs> so I, you're, you, you, you don't live alone. You have a spouse. So tell us a little bit about you and, and just some personal information to get to yeah. know you. So my spouse is Bryn Parnell. She works at multitracks.com here in Austin. And we met at Baylor. I'm a Baylor grad. Uh, go Bears. Uh, <laughs> probably not the place for that. Um, I'm originally from Eugene, Oregon. Uh, grew up there and uh, Tracktown, USA. I've recently gotten back into running. Mm, yeah. Nice, nice, very good. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna just jump in, and we're gonna I'm gonna start asking questions, and we'll just kind of let the conversation go where it needs to go. So um, I think the first question we start with just big idea: Why are, in, in your opinion, are anxiety and depression the two most common mental health concerns or challenges that we seem to deal with all the time. Yeah. So anxiety and depression, I really see as both a result of overwhelm, like your sermon series says, uh, overwhelmed. Good one. Uh, that's, that's it. That's, yeah. uh, when, when we're overwhelmed, we go uh, outside of our window of tolerance. We all have this window in which if we go above it, we get overwhelmed and we get into anxiety, go towards panic attack. Mm. If we go below it, we go towards shutdown, depression, uh, and hopelessness. And so overwhelmed is um, when we're beyond our capacity and resources. Uh, that's when we feel anxiety and depression. Beyond our capacity and resources. So tell me a little bit more about that, like beyond our capacity, because I, I think there's a lot of ways in which that might be uh, interpreted because um, I don't think there's anybody in the room who doesn't feel busy. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I 
genuinely believe that everyone's doing the best that they can with what they have. And so... That made me feel better. <laughs> Good. That makes me happy. Okay. <laughs> um, um, so when you have what you need, you function as you naturally would. You do the things that you want to do. You uh, don't th do the things you don't want to do, which uh, we all wrestle with that spot where we're doing the things that we actually don't want to do, where we're short with each other or we're mm -hmm. um, engaging in the same old patterns that we have forever that uh, we can't seem to shake. Uh, it's when we get to that point where we don't feel uh, grounded, we don't feel like uh, we're not feeling loved, we're not feeling safe. Safety is the core foundation of, of, of uh, us not feeling overwhelmed. Hmm. That's so good. Safety is the foundation of not feeling overwhelmed. Like you can do what you want to do and don't do the things you don't want to do. I think Paul talks about that in Romans 7. Yeah. And I think Jesus, one of the things that I learned long ago from a mentor of mine is order determines capacity, which is why seek first the kingdom is so significant. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then he'll add everything else to you. And when I hear that, I think about connection with God first, and which is the thing is God is so reliable. He's mm. so consistently available to us, and we really can depend on him to when we go to him to um, experience his comfort and go to him to experience his reassurance, he will provide it. Why do you think we don't go to him? You know, we're, we're sitting in a church full of people that at least have some awareness. Mm -hmm. some, are, some are still maybe investigating this old Jesus thing. Others have been on the road for a long time. But, but all of us sort of have this, these, maybe these barriers towards um, dealing with our capacity or, or trying, to, trying to get where we need to go to connect or feeling safe. Yeah. We all have these um, barriers that get in the way of connecting. Uh, I, I like to call them obstacles to intimacy, relational intimacy. And there's really three main ones. Um, selfish taking, that's where you're taking the attention, you're taking what you need, mm. uh, demanding it. Um, it's when someone doesn't stop talking because I need you to keep on listening to me. Um, mm. There's self-reliance. So that's where I have needs, or maybe I have needs. The self-reliant will say, oh, I don't know about that. But I don't I have needs. I can take care of myself. Uh -huh. But if, and yeah, and if I did, I'd take care of them myself. I wouldn't need anyone else. Gotcha. Uh, Self-condemnation is the third one. So that's where we're condemning ourselves really actually feeling ashamed for having needs. I felt the room come alive as soon as you got to the third one. <laughs> I think Christians are some of the best self-condemners that there are. And I think people in general, humans, I mean, you tell me what you think. Humans sort of have this habit internally. They know they should do better. Mm -hmm. I always say I got a bad case of the shoulds. And <laughs> <laughs> shoulds, yeah. And, and, and there's a sort of a, a self-condemnation problem there. I think humans are kind of wired up 
for that because we inherently know we're kind of not measuring up. Yeah, the shoulds, the must, I mm. must do this. Mm. Uh, I have to. Mm. Um, there's a lot of restrictions that we put on ourselves. And one of the things that um, I love about Jesus is he says there's now no condemnation. Right. Uh, he, he has so much grace and so much compassion for us. And learning, learning to then also pass that on to ourselves, which is kind of like just taking in what he's saying and actually believing it, mm. it goes so far in us being able to go, oh, these needs actually matter. What's going on inside of me actually matters. Uh, but there can be that block where we go, no, this, this, isn't, this isn't important. This is, uh, I, d I don't need to go there. It's too, it's too difficult. It's too hard. Uh, I'm going to uh, focus on something else. But then we go, we move on with our life without um, getting our needs met and without uh, tending to our hurts. I like what you said there about self-compassion. Like that's not a concept that we talk about very often, but the compassion of Jesus and applying that to ourselves. I think that's really hard. Do you find it that people come into your counseling office and that's one of their great challenges? Yeah. It's really hard to give ourselves grace. Self-compassion, though, there's, there's three components of self-compassion. Um, it's self-kindness, mm. common humanity, and mindfulness. And what is it? Mindfulness? Mindfulness. Yeah. I've heard that before. You guys heard that before? Yeah. It's on every magazine cover recently. <laughs> there are apps being made about it. I mean, everybody's trying mm. to figure out mindfulness. But unpack, unpack each of those. First yeah. one, self-kindness. Self-kindness is the one where we're kind with herself. Um, instead, of, instead of kind of thinking to ourselves, wow, so I'm such an idiot. Mm. We instead are going, okay, there's a reason why I did that or there's a reason why I was... Um, I reacted that way, um, and it's okay. And allowing that process to go on internally. Uh -huh. Do you think it's related to what Jesus said about the second, com the great commandment, love your neighbor as yourself? As yourself, yeah. If, you, if we can't love ourselves, then how can we love our neighbor? We tend to being mean to people. Yeah. We're angry at ourselves. That anger gets turned out at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the second one is... Common humanity. Common humanity, and so that means... recognizing that we're not the only one. Uh, well, that's, that's like a major issue. Every one of us is like, I'm, I'm the only one who deals with this. Mm -hmm. Very hard to overcome. It's, it is very common. It's just is the... I'm, not, I'm the only one. No one can really understand. Right. I'm special. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're all special. But there's this thing, and I, do, I, th I tend to think it's our individualism in our culture that we don't discover that we're not the only one because we don't, we don't risk the common humanity. Yeah. We don't talk about and it enough. And then there's a lot of aloneness. Yes. As a result of that. Lonelier than ever, but more well-connected than ever kind of thing. Yeah. That's kind of what we're living in. Yeah, and, and the thing about aloneness is that aloneness is the environment in which needs go unmet, like we all have needs for attention, affection, respect, support, encouragement, um, but aloneness is the environment in which those go unmet, and those are hurts, it's hurtful to experience that, and those add up. Mm. And the opposite of aloneness is connection, 
which we'll talk more about. Yeah. But mindfulness. I mean, oh, the mindfulness, and yeah. we'll get to connection, yeah. yeah. That third part of uh, self-compassion, um, to be able to be self-compassionate, uh, it means noticing what the feeling is. That's what, mi- that's what mindfulness uh, is, is just noticing. Yeah, so you notice what the feeling is, and then you recognize that that's not the only feeling inside of me. I have other thoughts, I have other feelings. And you can s- kind of do a check-in of, of, of noticing and, and observing that uh, these are these different parts inside of me that uh, no one of them is ruling the show. Yeah, and I, th- I tend to think that we, we don't do that kind of self-care or self-compassion. But w- it, it strikes me that one of the things that helps you figure out how to do that is when other people demonstrate that you are worth caring about. Yeah. That, that, that somebody else helps you. I, 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 I think that's what happens with counseling, right? In a professional setting is there's somebody who's leaning in and asking the deeper questions. Mm-hmm. And so that, talk about that connection question. Yeah. Let's go there. Connection is what heals. When, when someone's hurting, when someone's in a dark place, connection heals. Mm. Um, and actually, the more, we, the more we experience connection, whether it's with God uh, or, or others, uh, the more that sets us up to be able to embrace the, uh, the next interaction we have and come into it with faith. Because um, our brains are scanning nine times a second for safety. Wait, wait, wait. What sc- our brains are scanning nine times a second. In other words, I just checked out the whole room mm-hmm. to make sure I was safe. Yep. Wow. And with that frequency of checking for safety, we, we take every, every uh, interaction that we have feeds into the, the system for how we're reading for that safety, whether it is safe or not. Mm. And so the more kind, grace-filled, compassionate interactions we have, then we're going to go into the next ones expecting that and anticipating it and, uh, and be able to give it ourselves. So you're saying as we experience kindness in an interaction, in a connection, it, few, it sort of builds on itself. Mm-hmm. It becomes more, you become more inclined for kindness, healing, compassion. Yeah. And it goes the other way too. And it goes, it goes every direction. Uh, tell me more about that. So, <laughs> uh, so it's it's really crazy how uh, we could have an encounter with God, and and then we're interacting with the people in our life really differently after we have that great encounter with God. Hmm. And also, it can go the other way. Uh, we can have something really connecting with uh, our spouse or a friend, and then we can go into a, a time with God and have um, an experience more connection and pre- His presence more then as a result of that time with our friend. Huh. It reminds me of the scripture, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, First John four twelve, says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, connection, God lives in us, is what the Bible says. If we love one another, God lives, or in other words, comes alive in us. 
and his love is made complete in us. Uh, like that, that connection is that significant. Like that's the only way we really learn to do this vertical thing and horizontal thing. They're deeply connected. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that. And the reason, uh, one of the reasons why, why I recommend counseling is so that people can experience someone tuning into them. Because it doesn't happen otherwise? Or it often doesn't happen? Be- yeah, because oftentimes uh, people aren't experiencing in their friends or family or even mentors or coaches. Yeah, just pause for a second and let that sink in. It's not happening. Nobody's tuning in. Yeah. Like, I think that's a sort of an indictment on God's people, like in a way. Like, we want to be those kind of people. We want to tune in to people in need. We need other people to tune in to us because we have tremendous needs. Sorry, I interrupted. I'll be quiet now. <laughs> We're here to hear you. That's spot They on. hear me all the time. And it is, it is heartbreaking for me. Um, just knowing, knowing that there are so many people um, people, I know there are people in this room and, and, and the different, across the different campuses who haven't experienced being fully known and fully loved. Right. And it's so heartbreaking and, 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 and I so know that that is, that is exactly God's heart, that they would be fully known, fully accepted, that they would be, that their world would be entered into and, and that they would be uh, loved and comforted. One of the things that I think is really missing is um, comfort. Mm. And it's so helpful uh, to have someone who just says, I'm sorry, that hurts. I'm with you. Talk about the research of connection a little bit more. Some of the research that we talked about earlier. Um, and what happens to a person physiologically. Yeah, so research was done where they actually, uh, sh- they, they sh- burn the skin of the participant. They, they physically harm the skin and then they tested the healing time. And they f- what they found is that for those with close connected relationships, their healing time was a third of the healing time of those without. In other words, they healed th- uh, th- uh, three times? No, how is that? Three times faster? Yeah. Yeah. Than a person who is disconnected. So physiologically, something's going on in your body that is uh, tapping into healing mm-hmm. because you're connected. Yes. And also uh, lifespan. Mm. There's connections with lifespan, recovery from illnesses, uh, and like broken bones. There's all been research showing that those with close connections heal and recover faster than those without. Wow. That's fascinating, isn't it? So let's pause here then and talk a little bit about how do you know when stress levels are really unhealthy? What are some warning signs of, of how, how you f- figure that out? Yeah. So there's this um, part of our brain called the relational circuits, and it's the part that uh, enables us to engage and dialogue and understand how we feel and uh, go somewhere with a relationship. 
And those relational circuits get turned off when we're stressed out. When we're focused on a task, when we're just focused on a, uh, figuring out a solution to a problem, uh, those relational circuits are offline. Hmm. And how does that work? So there's a hand model of the brain that I like to use. Uh, it involves using the palm, the base of your hand, as the base of the brain. Uh, wrist can be the brain stem. The middle represents the midbrain. That's where our emotion is. Uh, the thumb can be the amygdala, and the amygdala is what gets triggered. Uh, when we you go all know about the amygdala because we have Google. <laughs> You've all Googled it. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Keep and going. So amygdala gets triggered, and our thoughtful, thinking, rational, logical, relational uh, part of our brain, the top part, goes offline, and we flip our lid. <laughs> and... So all that's left is the amygdala and the core. Uh, the, the base of the brain is mainly, uh, one of the main concerns of it is safety. So that, just that scanning for safety. And uh, when the amygdala gets triggered, uh, we can have the fight response. So we fight, flight, we run away, freeze, we're just frozen solid. Mm. And then there's actually a fourth one that researchers hadn't really been talking about until recently. Mm. And it's a peas. Appease. I don't know. Appease is the one where we <laughs> smile. Are you talking about peas or appease? Appease. Okay. Uh, it's the one where we smile and say the right thing. Gotcha. Got but it. it's actually a fear response. It's a fear response, a yeah. A survival response. We just, yeah. Yeah. Keep the mask on. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's so fascinating. So when we flip our lid... <laughs> And the thinking part, I mean, I sort of feel like you're describing every reality TV show I've ever seen. It's just a constant, like, and, and when people flip their lid, we, like, love watching it. It's so sick. Yep. Like, it's so messed up, right? But, yeah, talk a little bit about what, why we can't, like, what, what are the implications of just going offline? We go offline, our lid is flipped, and one of the things that's really important is that for, um, for, for being in a healthy position, we can do things to bring our, our frontal cortex back online, and we can connect and be thoughtful and calm again. But if we've experienced trauma, what happens is our lid flips and it stays flipped. We have a really, it's, 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 spotty, it's a spotty connection, yeah, and we get stuck with a, with a flipped lid. Yep. Um, and things uh, can trigger. Trigger it. Yeah, I think really easily. And one of the things about trauma is that it doesn't tell time. Mm. It, it doesn't matter how long ago the event was. Uh, we can still get that same triggered response. And then we're, we're not relational. We're not able to connect which then is taking away the thing that uh, we need for our health, our overall right. um, well-being. What are some things we can do to bring this back into line? Because I, I think what you're saying is life has challenges and there are traumatic episodes that we probably will face, mm -hmm. but then exercising and becoming adept at seeing it, recognizing it, and then coming 
bringing, bringing that thought process back online. Yeah, so maybe we could do a little exercise. Sure. <laughs> You're not going to hypnotize me, are you? No. Okay, good. So what I want everyone to do is just notice your breath. Notice your breathing. What's it doing? Is it short? Is it long? Shallow? Deep? <laughs> what do you notice? I noticed I was shallow. I wasn't breathing deeply. And so then you took a deep breath. I took a deep breath. Yeah. That's, that automatically happens for most everyone. It's like you just pause and notice your breath, and then automatically you start breathing deeper. And automatically you start the process that is to begin to relax and calm. Mm. And that relaxing, calming brings that um, frontal cortex back online. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's um, a specific exercise that I uh, like to teach that's the uh, four by four square breathing. So notice that breath. Okay. Uh, everyone no notice your breathing, but now we're going to be intentional with it. Uh, it's going to be a four count uh, in, hold it for four seconds, four count out, hold it for four seconds, and then back around. Okay, lead us. Four times. Okay. I might lose track of the number of times we do, but we'll see. Okay, so start with the in breath for four. Hold. Out. Hold. In. Hold. Out. Hold. Keep going. I'm getting sleepy. There's something about that breathing in of oxygen that is doing something. Yeah. Talk about that for a second. Yeah, the bre breath uh, soothes our nervous system. Okay. So our, there's this particular nerve that connects the brain to the gut, which the gut is, can be referred to as our second brain, by okay. the way. Second brain. Uh, yeah. Um, and that nerve is called the vagus nerve. And actually, when we breathe, we're stimulating that vagus nerve, which stimulates the um, parasympathetic response. And that's the rest and digest response. Rest and digest, yeah. Right. So, you're natural. so you're feeling the rest and digest. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And so then uh, another thing that uh, happens when we breathe like that and we can actually hear our breath is anytime we become aware of our body uh, in a way that's like through breathing, um, we, 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 we notice what's happening like with our breath or with tension in our shoulders or something. Uh, we actually, that actually helps with feeling safe because our body, body is registering as being present with us. We're not missing anything. Right. We become aware. Mm -hmm. It stimulates all the right things that oxygen stimulates our brain, our rest and digestive system, all that. Mm -hmm. Do you want to make the connection with breath in the Bible? I'd love for you to. 
I just thought you might want to do it. But, but, but God breathed into humanity, and he became a living being. And when you breathe in, you are reminding yourself, I was created by God. I was given, and I, I can't help but think of the little song. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. It's like becoming present with that breath is, I think, so profound and helpful. Um, and, and we don't stop and do that often enough, do we? No. How do you coach people to stop? So the important thing, most important thing is uh, what's going to be soothing for you? What's going to be calming for you? And going through and thinking about that, like, yeah, when, when do I feel relaxed? When can I breathe easily and breathe freely? Mm-hmm. So if that means um, reading your Bible at 5 a.m. Ooh, not 5 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> More like 6.30 for me. 6.30. Um, or Are you saying daily Bible reading? Daily Bible reading. I don't, you, these guys may not have heard of that concept before, but there's something about the, s- the, the, the settledness of, of reading your Bible and b- becoming aware and, and then sort of breathing in and out prayer. Mm-hmm. Like I think that is a practice that when we practice it routinely, I, I promise you I have people show up in my counseling office. <laughs> I don't get to charge as much as you, but I... <laughs> I, I, people land, and, and I ask them a few questions. It's become very clear to me, even though they're good Christian people, they've lost their centering routine, their, their habits that kept them from stress or from this lid being closed back down. Mm-hmm. So, I, sorry, I inter- interrupted you. I want you to finish your thought on that whole process, whether it's early morning Bible reading or... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or going for a walk. It could be as simple as, as walking. Mm-hmm. And uh, nature, movement, uh, music, these are all things that seem really simple but are so, so helpful. Mm. Um, being able to connect with God and engage in a, in a soothing activity simultaneously uh, really does a lot. So in other words, walking and praying. Mm-hmm. Prayer walking. <laughs> yeah, though I, th- I, really think, I, I really think that, like, what's so interesting to me is we were wired for this, but we stopped doing it when we started looking at screens all day. Mm-hmm. We stopped walking, we stopped moving, we stopped breathing deeply. The lights, the fluorescent lights are sucking the st- our souls out of our bodies. <laughs> And, I, and I, I guess I really believe that, like, I think the next question is, when should someone go to professional counseling? Yeah. Like, what's the, what's, what's the moment where they, oh, I, I really need to do something more intentional? When you go to counseling is when uh, you want something to be different. It's when you want a change. And I think that everyone at some point in their life is going to encounter that moment. It's going to experience that time where you're going to say, this is hard. I feel alone. I don't feel understood. And, and that's the time to go. And, and, and there's, really, there's really not limits on what you can bring into the counseling room. Um, sometimes I have people say, 
am I allowed to talk about that? <laughs> and I say, yeah, it's whatever you want to bring in. Mm-hmm. Um, because what you're bringing in is important. Yeah. Every, every, everything that's going on inside of you is important. And we off so often minimize and diminish it. I am of the opinion as well, and I want you to hear me say it as your pastor. I think there will come a time in everybody's life because of the world we live in, the structure of it that's different than it was 200 years ago and before, that every one of us are going to have to go through a season where we have to lean into somebody who has professional tools and has skills beyond just your small group who will help you crack the code on something you're really struggling with. And I think, by the way, that includes pastors. I think pastors need a lot of therapy. And because they, they, don't, they often don't feel safe, just like the rest of us. We, we don't feel safe. And so maybe a final word from you um, as we close about just something you want us to remember about how we should work together on this. What I really want to say is just to anyone who is hurting and anyone who is suffering, um, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry you're hurting. I'm so sorry you're suffering. And God really cares. God cares so much about every single anxious thought, every single down moment, every single um, place where you'd be stressed out or freaking out. God wants to enter into every single one of those moments and bring his soothing presence and and his comforting presence. Um, And so thank you all. Thank you everyone so much for letting me be here. Hey everybody, let's give Alex a huge hand and thank God for him. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us today. If God is doing something in your life or you're looking for ways to get connected, you can learn about groups, teams, and more at onechapel.com welcome. You can subscribe to future messages from One Chapel on your favorite podcast player. And of course, you're always invited to services every Sunday morning at 9 and 11. See you next time.